Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What is going on, everybody? I am Jamie Shaw. I am joined here by my co-host, Scott Spinelli. This is The Breakdown. Scott, how you doing today? Excellent, Jamie. So happy to be here again and uh, look forward to working with you as we cover Clemson tonight. Before we jump into everything here, uh, I want to introduce ourselves so that everybody knows who, who it is that they're listening to, who it is that they're watching, and, and, and our accolades. My name is Jamie Shaw. I'm National Recruiting Analyst at Rivals.com. I am the author of the Absolute Basketball Scouting Service, NCAA Compliance Scouting Service. goes out across the country, one of the largest ones across the country. Scott, introduce yourself. Jamie, uh I've had an opportunity over the last several years to coach at every level of basketball. And, you know, with that, um, you know, I started as a head prep school coach for, for six years, uh, Milford Academy, the Winchester school, we started the program. Um, and from there I've moved into pretty much every level of division one. Uh, Jamie, I've had an opportunity to move my family. We've met a lot of wonderful people along the way. Um, and I've worked for some of the greatest basketball minds in the profession. So I've been really blessed in terms of the path I've been on thus far. And, you know, I've uh, got a lot of unfinished business here moving forward, uh, hopefully. And before we jump into Clemson, as we mentioned before, uh, I ask that you go ahead, if you're enjoying this podcast, go ahead and subscribe to us. If you would, please uh, go ahead and give us a five-star rating. Comment below what you think. How good is Clemson team going to be this year? Um, who you like on Clemson? Who your favorite players are? Go ahead and drop it in the in the comment section below for us. We would greatly appreciate it. But let's go ahead and get into Clemson. Uh, last year they finished ten and six in the ACC, good for fifth place. This is Brad Brownell's twelfth season at Clemson. He's got a career three hundred and seventy, two hundred and thirty-five uh, record uh, there. He's made the last four postseason tournaments, two of which were NITs, two of which were NCAA tournaments. He advanced to the Sweet 16, I believe it was three years ago, maybe four years ago. Um, Scott, what can you tell us about the overall overarching theme of, of what you've seen from Clemson uh, diving in, having coached against them for the last 10 years? Throughout the last several years, Jamie, watching Clemson, uh, Coach Brownell and his staff have really established an identity of physicality, and especially on the defensive end of the floor. They're a team that really gets after you. Uh, again, we're all defenses, great defensive stars, especially in management, pressure on the ball. They do a really, really good job of not only pressuring the ball, but when you try to drive, they actually do an unbelievable job of being physical without fouling. And when you start combining their on-the-ball defense with their team defense and their ability to help and recover and then rotate, uh, with, with exceptionally uh, sound, fundamental closeouts. Uh, they're a team that is very well-schooled, very well-drilled defensively. And again, when you think Clemson, you think physical, tough, hard-nosed play. Starting to talk about Clemson, diving into the personnel a little bit. Things start, start off with Alamir Dawes. I mean, he's a junior point guard. I guess he's a guard, combo guard for them. He's out of New Jersey. Last year, he averaged nine points. Shot 39.4% from three. He's off to a great start this year, 17 a game up to this point. Scott, tell us a little bit about Alamir Dawes and what can we, we can expect from him as kind of the catalyst for what this team does. Well, the last couple of years, Jamie, Alamir has had the pleasure to play with Amir Sims, and he's been a staple on both ends of the floor for them. The one thing about Alamir Dawes that's been really fun and really exciting to watch 
since he's been there in a fresh freshman year to sophomore year, he's always been that guy that has never been afraid to take the big shot. So he's always played with a swagger, New Jersey toughness to him, a confidence to him, a belief in terms of what he can do out on the court. And it started with his freshman year. This year, with Amir Sims gone, this is a great opportunity for Alamir Dawes now to become their go-to guy. And after the first two games here, you know, you can see his statistics. I mean, he's putting up very, very efficient numbers. Um, you know, obviously pr productivity too, in terms of 17 points per game. Uh, he can swing from either guard position. Uh, again, never afraid of, of playing in the big moment. He loves the big stage um, and he wants the ball in crucial, tough situations. So, I think he's going to be their go-to guy this year, uh, Jamie. And he's a guy, again, that can do it on both ends. You know, coming into his freshman year, uh, watching him through his sophomore year, he's continuously gotten better defensively. And look for him to impact Clemson on both sides of the ball and be their go-to guy this year. And as you mentioned, Amir Sims, he left some big shoes to fill uh, for Clemson. Um, naturally, he's on, you know, a pro roster right now uh, in his career at Clemson. He scored 1,100 career points, tasked to take that spot over or to, to enter that position, P.J. Hall. He is a sophomore now. He is a local kid from Robox, uh, South Carolina, went to Dorman High School. He was a top 100 recruit coming in. It was a big deal, Clemson signing him as, as they won out on him. Um, you know, he was backing up Amir last year, three and a half points, two rebounds per game. But so far this year, 14 points, eight rebounds per game. He stepped into that production that Amir had nicely through two games so far. Not surprised, Jamie. He was one of those guys that I really liked coming out of high school. As a matter of fact, I was actually talking uh, to a couple uh, scouting services, uh, some guys that actually scout for the next level, and they were actually asking about some of the incoming freshmen at the respective ACC schools, just kind of giving some names to them. And I honestly told them that this kid, P.J. Hall, keep an eye on him. He's a very skilled uh, almost one of those guys that you really in this day and age is more valuable because he can step out and shoot the three. Um, he's a skilled guy that can do a lot to help your team. He's versatile enough. He's a little bit better defensively than I think he gets credit for. Um, but he's a guy that last year playing against Amir Sims every day in practice and then understanding, you know, the ACC and how every possession matters. So that I believe to be the biggest transition and why he might not have played as much last year, obviously backing up Sims, but he got a firsthand look at what it takes to play in the ACC by going against him every day in practice and then understanding that things happen a lot faster at this level. Every possession matters. P.J. Hall this year is going to be a guy that I believe is going to be a breakout you know, type player for Clemson because he's a skilled guy who can do a lot of things to help you win and, again, I've always thought he was a guy that had a future in basketball. The big thing about P.J. Hall, as you mentioned, that sticks out is his, his toughness, his grittiness. And I think that kind of goes hand-in-hand hand with Brad Brownell, the identity that he's creating here, um, especially on the defensive side of the floor. They were second in the ACC play last year in uh, uh, defensive uh, points per game given up. Physical, hard-nosed, um, you know, they, they're hard to break down off the dribble. They play great team defense. Um, you know, and defense travels. Go through a little bit. Obviously, you've for the last 10 years, again, you've coached against Brad Brownell in the ACC. I want to hear from you from the other side of it. Tell me about their defense because it, it, it keeps them and wins them a lot of games. 
Well, again, their identity is the defensive side of the ball. And Clemson, over the last 12 years that Coach Barnell has been in the ACC, you know, they've been a team that has been able to uh, succeed, you know, because of their defense. And what I'd like to do is show you how physical, how well drilled they are, starting with their pressure on the ball to their physicality in terms of dribble penetration, as well as their one pass away positioning bumping cutters, uh, and then being really physical in the post. So without further ado, I'd like to get into some of these defensive clips here and show you Clemson's identity. First clip here, we're going to show full court pressure. Um, and you can see the, the pressure. Any great defense starts with pressure on the basketball. And every one of their guys right now is in a stance, and they're in a position where they're ready to help. Guy guarding the ball, Dawes, is applying great pressure. On the first pass, you can see active hands, okay? Um, and then everybody else is in a position where, you know, they see both. Here you'll see the effort that it takes Dawes to chase his man and blow up this screen by getting on his hip pocket, right in his hip pocket and chasing it right over. They can't even – he curls it because he doesn't – there's no way he's going to get that hand off. With that now, it turns into a dribble flip ball screen and in this you can see the Clemson defender and the energy that he's playing with punching over the top of that screen where it really matters to him and I think again anytime you're going to be a great defensive team every possession matters every player out there has a job to do and it matters and in this case here you'll see the Clemson defender chase over the top and on the pass again High hand, top foot contest, and you can see Clemson, who's very well drilled. Everyone's boxing out, physical box out, and then their guards come in for the rebound, which now leads into an opportunity that they could transition um, down the other end. So great defensive possession there. Uh, it started with great pressure on the ball uh, by Dawes. In this next possession, we're going to show you what it looks like when, again, Great pressure on the basketball, almost like getting, you know, running ahead of them. And then you'll see the pressure from everybody. Everyone's applying great pressure on the ball. Um, and one of the things that you talk about as a coach is when you're switching. And so here is a classic example of what we like to talk about in switching situations. When you switch, you switch to increase pressure. And here's a great clip here of showing when this switch occurs between the two Clemson guys, they switch with great communication, but they switch to increase pressure on the basketball. Now it turns into a little horns angled ball screen where he punches over. And this is all drill work. And what happens here, and it has probably a little bit to do with scouting. So in this case here on that horns angled ball screen, the Clemson big shows flat, the guard punches over. When his man, meaning the Clemson big guy's man, pops to the top of the key, what happens is Honor here is in a position where he's taught to stunt. He's actually helping. And sometimes they're giving the chance for the big guy whose man popped, so the big guy for Clemson whose man popped, to be in a position where he can recover through that stunt. Well, in this case here, uh, obviously, this kid for Presbyterian, the kid they're playing against, 
must be scouted as an excellent shooter. So what they do is they actually don't, they stunt to switch. They apply great pressure on the ball. And now look at the awareness where everybody rotates and bumps one another. Um, again, very well drilled defensive team, great possession. And now you finish with, again, high hand, top foot contest. And anytime you can do that defensively and force teams into those type of shots, the, a game of basketball is about percentages. So if you're contesting every shot, top foot, high hand, top foot, high hand, and not, not, I'm, not, I'm not talking about just, you know, hand in their face. I'm talking about a high hand, top foot contest. The percentages go in your favor. And again, they finish here with a box out and they're off. Okay. In this next possession, uh, again, Clemson, we're going to show their physicality. Here it is, you know, honors on the basketball. And now you can see them in a situation here where, um, you know, he's pressuring the ball. So, right, like this kid for Wolford's thinking he can drive the ball and without fouling, again, airplane technique, really applying pressure with his hips and his chest so he doesn't foul. There's no arm bar. There's no hand checking. A big emphasis right now uh, on, on the defensive end, especially at the Division I level, where you're not allowed to do that, and refs are being told to call that as a foul. So Clemson, well-drilled, gets up and actually is physical with the ball, not letting him go middle, but not fouling him because his technique is that of, you know, applying great physicality with his hips and his chest. Now he actually throws the ball back, great pressure on the ball, and you can see the other four guys here with Clemson. They're all very, very well positioned where they can see not only their man, but they can see the ball. We call that having your head on a swivel. Some coaches use the terminology windshield wiper with your heads looking at both the ball and your man. And you can see now the physicality where you think it's a one-on-one -on -one and P.J. Hall real physical in the post without fouling him. And now he takes up the space, and we call that a big high wall. And he's actually in a position where because he took up the space and he walls him and he's physical with his hips and his chest, it causes the Wolford defend offensive player to shoot a shot off balance. And again, sometimes as a coach on the op of, of the opposition, you think that's a foul, but it's not. It's very hard physical play using your hips and chest as a way of walling up with those arms up high and uh, taking up the space. So another great possession there with Clemson. And again, when you think Clemson basketball, you think about a team that possession to possession takes great pride in what they're doing defensively, one through five. Each one of the guys out there has a job to do, and they do it. And again, that's what makes them so difficult to score against and in last year you know we'll get into this in a second they were one of the top scoring defenses in the league but uh clemson physicality toughness very well drilled um it matters to them one through five each possession uh and that's why they've had so much success in the acc uh over the last several years under coach brownell and his staff speaking of development talking about toughness hunter tyson is a player that came in. He was a he was a not much ballyhooed recruit as he came in. He started off his freshman year, played eight minutes a game. 
He incrementally just kept doing the work, kept developing. Sophomore year, 13 per game. And then last year, as a junior, you know, he was he was almost a full-time starter. He started probably 80% of their games. Now he's starting again this year, playing 31 minutes and everything. What can the Clemson people, what can the Clemson faithful and the rest of the ACC expect from Hunter Tyson? Well, t- Hunter is that guy that you, you know, if you've been in the league long enough, you've seen him develop, obviously, between, you know, between the, the, his weight training, his nutrition, his strength and conditioning has been key to his development on the court, right? So, like, this is a kid that always has been able to shoot the basketball, and he's been an offensive weapon from the three-point line. But what's happened is through Coach Brownell and his staff, they did an unbelievable job of developing him individually on not only being able to be do a, be a little bit more multi-dimensional offense, they shoot the three, put it on the floor, uh, finish at you know mid-range and at the rim. They've also done a great job of instilling a defensive mindset to him where he takes the defensive side of the ball a lot more serious than he did maybe when he came in as a younger player. The other side of this, you have to give a lot of credit to their strength and conditioning and the nutrition side of what they've done, because here's a kid that really has bulked up and he's put really good weight on over the last couple of years. Uh, maybe not necessarily you know, going astronomically that much higher, but it's just so much more strength and in, in, in body you know, muscle that really helps him in the ACC. You know, Jamie, I don't think the ACC gets enough uh, of a uh, rep on how physical, you know, the league is too. I, I, you know, there's a lot of team speed, a lot of skill. That's a, definitely the identity of the ACC, but it is a very physical league. And there's not many teams in the league as physical as Clemson. And that's one of the things that they've been very successful at doing is because of their physicality. But this is a great example of a kid that they've developed uh, over the last few years in all aspects of this game. And Brad Brownell developing this identity of physicality, a lot of that comes with, as we said, developing players, but also age and attempt to get older and stay older. He brought in two grad transfers, two fifth-year transfers this past season, Naz Bohannon, six foot five, undersized four-man from Youngstown State, and then David Collins, six foot four wing um, out of USF. Um, obviously, they've started off so far and they've played some pretty good minutes for the team. They're going to be central figures in what they're going trying to do this year. What have you seen from both Collins and uh, Bohannon uh, so far to this point? Well, I've seen both of those kids dating back to even AAU ball in high school uh, in, up close in college. We played against David Collins uh, while I was at Boston College. He was at South Florida. And, you know, when you look at David Collins, again, he fits that Clemson uh, mantra. He's a kid that's physically well put together. He's strong. He's athletic. He's tough. He's got a high motor to him. The one thing about him that I don't know yet if, you know, the team or the fan base has seen this, he can really put the ball in the basket. He scored over 1,200 points, uh, you know, throughout his time at South Florida, and he can do it at all three levels. I've seen him make threes at a high rate. I've seen him do mid-range, mid-range perimeter post, uh, pull-ups, uh, take you into the post, and then score at the rim. He can do all of the above offensively. And right now, it seems like he's still trying to, again, as most transfers do, fit into his role. Um, but a kid that I believe is going to give Clemson a lot on both ends of the floor, um, you know, for, for, for Clemson this year. Um, the other young man, and I've seen him quite a bit, and I want to make sure that um, with Bohannon, 
you know, I think he's more of a point forward, um, a kid that's, even though he's well put together, undersized in terms of, you know, being not really a true post guy, but he's more of a wing point forward, but he's got great body mass to him. Um, you know, and I think, again, here's a guy that's still trying to f- figure out his role, but he put up, you know, excellent numbers at Youngstown State, and he'll come in this year and make a huge impact on both ends of the floor. I think the best attribute that he has is the ability to pass. I think he's an excellent passer. Um, you know, he's averaged, I think it was, a, uh, I want to say three and a half assists over these last two games. Uh, you might want to check that, but I believe him to be another guy that can add skill, um, experience, can score the ball at all levels, but he's an exceptional pass. And I think he's going to help Clemson uh, in that area this year. Two other guys I kind of want to touch on a little bit. You have the starting point guard, the maestro, the guy that kind of the catalyst for everything that goes on with Nick Honor, five foot ten point guard, eight point one points. He shot thirty six point seven percent from three last year. Um, you know he transferred from Fordham. He played last year at Clemson and all that stuff as well. How how do you see Nick Honor coming in and and being um, you know getting this team wins? Honor again put up huge numbers as a freshman at Fordham. I believe he scored over 400 plus points as a freshman, uh, a kid that was on his on path, on pace to score, you know, almost he could get to maybe 2000 points if he had stayed at Fordham. So he's a gifted scorer. The one thing that Coach Barnell and his staff have done with all of these guys that they brought in transfers, even a freshman, they get their mindset to make them understand that defense matters, right? Every possession matters. And, you know, Honor has really bulked up his body. Again, he looks like, you know, he could play football for Clemson in terms of his physical, um, you know, size and body strength, you know, and all of the things that, again, he fits what Clemson loves is that physicality, that physical guard that not only can do some things on the offensive end, that he can really, you know, physically get after you defensively. And I think he's a guy that really is going to have a very good season this year. I think, you know, Talking about Amir Sims, you know, it was his kind of his, you know, uh, show the last couple of years. I think Honor and Dawes, you know, those two guys are as good a backcourt uh, in the ACC with experience. With the defensive side of the basketball being so much of what this Clemson team does and is all about, you obviously have to score the basketball as well. Um, we, we've spent a lot of time talking about the toughness, the defensive identity and all that type of stuff that they, that they try to get done. Why don't you talk a little bit about the offensive side of the ball and what Brad Brownell's kind of simple concepts are um, within the flow. Again, we talk about Clemson's identity. We talk about how they create offense through their defense. Last year, they were second in the ACC in terms of scoring defense. And let me just stop by this first clip and showing what I mean by that. All right. So here it is, a transfer from South Florida, David Collins, pressure in the basketball, you know, airplane technique, running with him. You can see, you know, the position of the guard one pass away here, uh, number three. He's in a situation where he's actually up the passing line here uh, in a place where he actually can help on penetration. That, that's what we call early active gap help, where he's actually shrinking the floor. If he was over more, um, you know, he would be guarding his man, but he wouldn't be in a great position here for t- team defense. But again... Early active gap help right there helps David Collins now. His man sees that, and he actually tries to go behind his back. Anytime you're playing against a Clemson team, a Coach Braun Allen staff team, 
you know that when you are on offense, if you're not strong with the basketball, whether you're dribbling it, whether you're passing it, whether you're trying to meet a pass, they will utilize that or take that in, in, in to their advantage, meaning they'll create offense very, very quickly from their defense. And in this case, you know, he tries to go behind his back with a very kind of loose dribble and Collins just picks it up and goes down the other end and, uh, and finishes. And again, that's their identity. We talk about Clemson defense to offense. If at all possible, they were second in the league last year at scoring defense. And that's a good reason why this possession here offensively, uh, you know, looks to be very, very simple, but it's the way uh, they execute this play. So what they do here is they actually declare a side ball screen with a clear aside. So it's an empty sided ball screen. And what happens here is you can see um, he really doesn't use the ball screen. He actually just takes one dribble and he comes off and he makes that pass uh, to the middle of the floor. And what's happening here now is they're going to set what you call a horns angled ball screen. This is kind of an NBA type set. And when he comes off of it now, you know, here's what happens. Again, everybody's doing their job. So the big guy who set the first side ball screen is actually looping under the basket. And he's in a position where he's trying to seal his man. So he's occupying his defender. And at the same time, on the horns angle ball screen, the big that had to guard the ball screen here for the blue team, He's in a position where he's showing flat. And so what happens is now the big that set the ball horns angle ball screen for Clemson just pops right in this free throw. We call this kind of the nail area. And he's in a situation where now you have a two on one on the backside here. And so again, very simple action, everybody doing their job in the, in the right place. It puts a lot of pressure on the defense. And now what they do is, Great pace here. Um, the Presbyterian defender here has a choice. He's got to help here on the on the roll at the, to the nail, and he's got a guy uh, in that corner. And the the Clemson offensive player makes a great decision here. Again, very well drilled. Um, great pace, and now you can see Dawes in a position where his hands are ready, hips are down, easy shot. Nothing complicated but everybody doing their job. Uh, and again, when you talk about Clemson and Coach Brownell, you're talking about a team that's very, very well coached, very well drilled. And um, again, that maybe wasn't necessarily bad defense, but it was just great offense. This next clip here, we're going to show a little basic horn set. Uh, again, we talk about horns, the universal horns um, terminology. Two bigs high, usually straddling the three-point line, or you could put anybody up there for that matter. Two players high. Now we see a lot of guards up here too. And then we see two guys in those that deep corner uh, situation. Here he comes off of the horns action, really not aggressive. All he's trying to do is throw back. And we call this a little pin down. So what happens is the other big now is going to come down and screen uh, the man in that corner. And so here we have what you call a, a pin down to a dribble, almost flip screen. So when you talk about dribble flips, it's not just a dribble handoff. This guy actually, number 24 for Clemson, P.J. Hall, is actually trying to screen Dawes' man. 
And again, what happens here is Dawes stops. He doesn't come off at 100 miles an hour. He stops and he reads the defense. As he reads the defense, now the screen occurs because he played with a great pace um, under control. Now the screen occurs. He's got to takes it hard. He takes kind of the, the big guy on uh, who was guarding P.J. Hall uh, on the dribble flip ball screen. And he takes him on, and now he's got two guys on. And what happens here is you see P.J. Hall, number 24, with a kind of a straight line roll. We talk about bigs, you know, really playing in straight lines, getting off these ball screens and going hard to the basket. You love the fact that he's showing a target as he's going. And again, he occupies that offense, the defensive man for Clemson enough where he helps. Um, and the tag or the help situation is a little bit lower. Now he just picks up his dribble. Again, uh, the Clemson offensive player is in a position where his hands are ready, his hips are down, and it's, a, again, an open three-point shot. Although it looks like it's contested, it really wasn't. Uh, it was a rhythm three. Excellent execution by Clemson, everybody doing their job. And as we've mentioned earlier, Brownell likes to stay old. He likes to stay tough, but he brought in a really good class this year, um, this uh, past season. Ian Shefflin out of Grayson in Georgia, Ben Middlebrooks um, out of Florida, play with each one, teach one this summer. And then Josh Beadle, an in-state kid from Cardinal Newman in Columbia, South Carolina, um, a guard. Um, what have you seen? I know that you've scouted all these guys. You've gone through the video of all these guys and, and, and stuff. Um, what have you seen from, from Shefflin, Middlebrooks, and Beadle um, as to what their roles could possibly be this year and then looking toward the future as to the type of players they could be uh, in this program? All three guys have a very bright future at, at Clemson. Uh, staying consistent with most of the younger guys at Clemson, the transition from where all of those three guys, I'm going to talk pretty much in general of all three of them, their biggest adjustment in coming to Clemson and playing there, especially under what Coach Barnell and his staff want, is to adjust their intensity defensively. They're going to have to really start figuring out that not only is scoring the basketball important, because all three of them have a unique skill set that they bring to the table uh, offensively, but the one thing that each one of those guys is going to have to do is understand that every possession matters, and defensively, you got to get after it and play, not just on the ball, off the ball, be ready to rotate, uh, being positional defense, and all of those things are habits that are created that take some time. A lot, oftentimes, you'll see, at least with some of the freshmen at Clemson, you know, look, you see, saw P.J. Hall. I get it. He played behind Sims last year. But, you know, four points a game, and now you see him this year. It's like, wow, you know, look at him. Well, he was probably the same player uh, as he was in terms of his ability. But, again, understanding that this is ACC basketball – there is an identity that you have to adhere to and adjust to at Clemson, and that's playing every possession defensively. And I think, again, all three of those guys, Jamie, have a great future at Clemson. There's no question their talent level, their skill set. Um, you know, all three of those guys are going to help Clemson continue to move their program forward. But the one thing all of them are going to have to adjust to, especially early in the year, is the intensity that it takes to play the defense that Coach Barnell and his staff are trying to instill in their guys. As I'm going through researching Clemson, researching the history of Clemson in the past, you know, Brownell's tenure and all that type of stuff, I noticed a couple familiar names. 
and it's, it might take me a second to wrap this back around to this conversation that I want to have and everything too. But I noticed uh, the names, Devin Booker and Milton Jennings, um, you know, two, two Clemson players of years past um, had great careers. Milton Jennings was a, uh, you know, a McDonald's all American. Devin Booker was a top 100 recruit uh, coming out the brother of Trevor Booker, obviously another Clemson, Clemson great played 10 years in the NBA um, and all that too. But in, in a roundabout way, you saw a lot of them play in AAU. You saw a lot of them play in their high school and prep years, those two specifically, because they, they were high school or they were AAU teammates with the Carolina uh, Celtics of Chris Middleton. Chris Middleton, who um, lightly recruited player out of Charleston, South Carolina, Port of God. You recruited Chris, uh, took him to Texas A&M. Obviously, he developed into a max contract NBA all-star, uh, one of the best players in the NBA. Um, you know, and, and, and I feel like this story – I had to I had to tie it into Clemson a little bit, but I also I felt like the story of development of players of, of of trusting a scouting eye, developing that player into what they can become, and then staying the course and that player all exceeding expectations and all that type of stuff. But go in a little bit to what it was that you saw in Chris Middleton when he was in AAU, and, and you know maybe dive in a little bit about Devin Booker and, and and Milton Jennings too. But what it was about Chris Middleton that got you sitting courtside. While, while, while every other coach in the country is watching these other two, you're locked in on Middleton. Well, it first starts with this. I mean, all obviously, all three of those young men were from South Carolina. Um, they were all playing with this team called the Carolina Celtics. And, you know, Jamie, for the audience, especially the younger audience, for parents of, of players who are tuning into our podcast, uh, I hope they really listen to what, you know, we're going to talk about here because – it is so important that all kids understand this. Every player has their own path. They develop physically and mentally at different stages. And sometimes, and oftentimes, a lot of players and families and coaches, you know, get discouraged or discourage their, their player, their, you know, their, their kid of saying, hey, you're not this, you're not that, you're not a Division One player. And Again, I, I honestly, I can tell you so many examples, you know, whether it was, um, you know, you see Chris Middleton and see where he's become today. Uh, you know, you see, you've seen guys who have come from Division three programs who are now NBA, um, almost $100 million guys, you know, guys that can, you know, have developed late. And so the message here is to make the players understand that your path is very simple. Just keep getting better. Don't get discouraged about not being a five-star or a four-star, even a three-star for that matter, because Chris at the time wasn't any of the above. And for coaches who are listening, one of the things that I've tried to do over the years, and listen, like you have, like I, we've all made mistakes. You learn from your mistakes. You can't be afraid to make a mistake. However, you can't make too many of them because if you do, unfortunately, as an assistant, you're not working. Uh, long because you get judged a lot on your recruiting, right? But the one thing that I, I think is very important here is that when you're evaluating players, you're not necessarily just evaluating them based on their statistics. Oftentimes, I, I come out, you come out of an event, and the first thing that comes to mind is, hey, you know, I had 25 against them, or I had 19 against them. And we talked about this when we were talking about the University of Virginia, and system fits and how, you know, it's not so much PPGs, points per game, it's PPSs, points per shot. It's efficiency. And 
what I try to do is I try to project how a player is being used, whether that's in the AAU setting, whether that's in the high school setting, every coach has their own system. And in those systems, every player is used according to what the coach believes to be the best formula for that team to win. And lost in all this are a lot of really good players that kind of go under the radar unnoticed because they're being used within a system that, you know, again, doesn't give them or showcase them to be a player that maybe we see them projecting someday added weight, added maturity, uh, physical, mental maturation, um, you know, the individual development side, knowing that you can actually work, um, you know, with a kid and really develop his game. Uh, and then understanding that kid's work ethic and his desire. There's so many factors and intangibles that go into this. And I guess the message here, Jamie, for, for all, uh, again, Chris Middleton was not that guy that was the five-star. He was the guy that I just mentioned, all of those other things. He had every reason not to think he might have been good enough or maybe not to continue on the path of getting where he is today. But he, again, he stuck with it. He had that you know, great coach in, in, in Coach Pearson, wonderful family, and they stayed you know, locked in to just getting better. And I think that's a great story for a lot of players today uh, to kind of follow. Yeah, and, and I, I agree with you. Um, I, I think it's an awesome to see the development he's made. And uh, you mentioned all those great people from South Carolina. I hear a lot of great people come from South Carolina. So it's a. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> well, just to touch too about the other two guys, Milton Jennings and Booker were both tremendous players now. Um, they were both physically developed. They were both kids that you know, anybody at the higher level conferences, I was at Texas AM. There was, a, without a question, those two guys were uh, power five type players. But when you saw Chris, you know, you saw a kid that, again, you had to kind of project, right? Jamie, you do this all the time. You know, you're one of the best evaluators in, in, in the country. And oftentimes you might see something that maybe, although it's not there yet, you see it or you see it maybe evolving in, in time. And that's what we, you know, we saw with Chris. And uh, fortunately for us, we were right. And you got to give the kid a lot of credit too. Now he has to work at it. He has to keep believing. And that little circle, that support group around these kids, kept him believing. So, you know, so that's that's a great story, though, um, Jamie. It really is. And there we have it. Clemson Tigers, Clemson University this year, as we break down their personnel, we go through their identity, uh, talk about what it is that Brownell tries to uh, do, tries to accomplish with each team that he has, and, and, and give the viewer a little bit better understanding um, of uh, the Clemson, Clemson program. Um, but before we uh, get out of here, I ask again, if you please would go ahead and subscribe wherever you're listening to this at, whether it be the podcast that on YouTube, the video, please go ahead and subscribe to the channel. Uh, we would greatly appreciate it. Go ahead and rate us. Uh, five stars, if you would. And leave in the comments below what you think about the Clemson team. Leave in the comments who you think, uh, who you like on the Clemson team, who your favorite Clemson player is. Just leave in the comments below and all that. And we have previous episodes as well. Uh, we're winding down on the back end here um, of these podcasts, but we've done the entire ACC up to this point. So please go ahead and check out the previous uh, listens as well as we break down, as we go in depth with every team throughout the ACC on this podcast that we jump into some more college stuff as well. But Thank you guys for tuning in. I am Jamie Shaw for Scott Spinelli. We'll see you next time.
Thank you, guys. See you, Jamie. When everyone's on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. You can even save time by going from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds. Join the 96% of Grammarly users that say it helps them craft more impactful writing. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.